we are honored this morning. Well, I guess it's this afternoon where I am, but maybe evening where you are, maybe morning to have um, Al Royal with us. Al is a uh, dear friend of mine from um, here in the New England region. He pastors in Connecticut and has been very involved um, in the 10 days of prayer movement in Connecticut. And it's just a uh, good friend, lover of Jesus, and a, a great pastor in that area. So, Al, over to you, sir. Um, you can take it all the way up to uh, to twelve thirty. All right, sounds great. Uh, again, my name is Al Al Royal. I pastor here in Connecticut, Life Church, New England. I'm real big on two things, really. Two passions I have. First one is prayer. That's what drives me. And uh, the second one is teaching. I'm, <clears throat> when I do speak, people tell me I'm more of a teacher than a preacher, and I, and I would tend to agree with that. Um, so that's what I want to do. I want to combine both of them today. I want to combine two passions that I really have, and that's prayer and teaching. And I really want to begin with a scripture that um, Luke talked about. He was with Jesus, and um, in the 11th chapter, verse number one, Luke said this. He said, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. And I ask that question oftentimes. I say, why would they ask Jesus that question? Why would his disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray? The obvious answer is, is that they didn't know how to pray. So it begs the question, how can we become so close to Christ, walk with him all the time, see this behavior modeled before us, and still don't get it? And guys, I, I'm convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt um, that the vast majority of us don't know how to pray. We just assume people know how to pray. And um, consequently, I think prayer uh, as the is the most underutilized tool that God has given us <clears throat> in terms of our effectiveness and our relationship with him. That's what I want to talk about today for the next 20 minutes. Um, I saw something that was really interesting. It flashed across my news feed. It said this, will life return to normal after COVID-19? I thought about that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking about that in my sermon tomorrow. And my response is this, I hope not. I just don't think God want us to go back to normal, especially in our prayer life, especially in our churches. The way I want to focus on this for the next few minutes is talk about prayer from two perspectives. We typically pray reactively. There's a, we need a healing, so we pray. We need a financial blessing, so we pray. We need deliverance, so we pray. And there's nothing wrong with those reactive prayers. We are reacting to a particular situation in our lives. But there's another type of prayer which I want to spend some time on today, and that's called proactive prayer. Proactive prayer is not because there's an, uh, an issue, there's a problem, there's an emergency. And unfortunately, I truly believe 90% of our prayers are tied to reacting to a situation. I believe when we come out of, as we come out of COVID-19, we can't go back to life as normal. We can't go back to prayer as normal. And so for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about 
a liberty that I believe God is saying to us. The more I prayed about this, the more I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm hearing from the Lord on this. And God wants to give all of us, you, me, all of us, the permission to pray. Not pray for our president, not pray for our nation, not pray for um, our, our country, not pray for our government, not pray for the media. We do that all the time, but we just came out of the National Day of Prayer, and, and we spent two hours doing that. But I think coming out of COVID-19, God wants us to learn to pray for ourselves. Take some time. I really want to encourage you to do this. Take some time and pray for yourself. Be selfish. Come out of COVID-19, not praying as usual, but take some time and pray for yourself. There are seven things that I want to give you some teaching on to help you to begin to pray for yourself. Number one, begin by examining yourself. Of all the creatures that God created, human beings are the only ones that can step outside of ourselves, become objective with ourselves, see our actions, and begin to pray for it. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this, examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourself. God is saying to all of us, I give you permission to look at your life as we move into 2021 and everything that God has in store for us, but take some time and look at your life. Examine yourself. Whether or not you're in the faith, how strong is that relationship between you and God? What's all of the stuff that you've gone through over the past, you know, 18 months, pre-COVID, in the middle of COVID, and coming out of COVID? Test yourself. And when we begin to do that, when we begin to self-reflect, we are beginning to pray with introspection. That's what these seven things are about, praying with introspection. I think our prayers for our country, the world, the government, you name it, can be so much more powerful when we're in alignment with the Holy Spirit, when we're doing what God told us to do. So number one, he said, begin by examining yourself. Number two, ask God to examine you. That's pretty cool. I mean, we have a responsibility to examine ourselves, but then the Bible says, ask God to examine you, because when God examines you, he looks at things from a different perspective, maybe that you don't. In Psalms 139, verse 23, Amplified Bible says this, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked or hurtful way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. You realize how powerful that is? You take some time every day, and I really want you to do this because this is something that I do. I take time every day to pray for myself. And I say, God, I need you to examine me. Search me thoroughly. Know my heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. Who can know it? The heart is our mind, our, our, mind, our thoughts, our emotions. We're deceived by ourselves all the time. So David prayed, try me. Know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked, hurtful, or offensive way in me. And then when you do that, Lord, lead me into the way that's everlasting. That's the second way you can pray for yourself. Number three, ask God to do what only God can do. Now, this one's interesting. 
we can do everything we know to do with our tones. We examine ourselves. We ask God to examine us. We have people that work alongside of us, that, that share our passions, that believe in our ministries, that, that the Lord has put there to equip us and sustain us. But also, there is a place and there is a time when God needs to step in and do what only he can do. Psalm chapter 51, verse 10 in the Amplified Bible says this, <clears throat> Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a preserving and steadfast spirit within me. David's not praying here for the nation. And I'm not saying don't pray for the nation. David's not praying for a healing. David is not praying for deliverance. David is not praying for a financial blessing. David is not praying, God, take my enemies away from me. Bless me. But he's reflecting. He's self-reflecting. And he's beginning to pray. He has this intimate, close time with the Lord. And he realizes that there are certain things in our lives that only God can do. So number three, he said, I want you to create in me a clean heart and renew a, a right, preserving, and steadfast spirit in me. God, only you can do that. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful. Who can know it? Let me be honest with you. I'm deceived by my heart all the time. And, and the Hebrew word for heart is about our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings. I'm deceived by my emotions, my thoughts, and my feelings all the time. Why? Because I think I'm right. I like Al. I really do. I think Al's pretty cool. And so when I look at life, when I look at my relationship with my wife, when I look at my relationship with my kids, when I look at my relationship with folks at church or uh, the political landscape or all of these other things that's happening, I look at it from the perspective of me, my perspective, my lens, my paradigm. I grew up as a poor black kid in the ghettos of St. Louis um, in a small town called Kinlock, Missouri. And it was 100% black very economically depressed. And I grew up with a perspective of the world from that living environment. And God had to do something in me that no one else could do. He had to create in me a clean heart because I grew up with prejudices and biases and all kinds of things that perverted my perspective of the world. I grew up believing the white man was the enemy. Oh, my gosh, don't trust the white man. And God had to do a work in me. But only God could do that. And I've learned to pray, God, change me, change my heart, create in me a clean heart, work on me, do whatever you need to do in Al's life so that Al can change. And that's a prayer that I have to pray continuously, guys, all the time. Number four, pray for a realistic perspective of your motives. So when you're praying, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What's driving me, God, to do what I do? 
It's not necessarily what I'm doing, but it's the motivation behind what I'm doing. And so, God, I need you to have a reality check in me to make sure that my perspective is right, my motive is right. Am I serving for the right reason? Am I being used by you for the right reason? Because people tend to, to look at you or look at me and they say, oh, look how great and wonderful. Oh, this is really great. God's really using you and all this other stuff. But in reality, and we all know stories of folks that we've trusted in ministry, people that we've looked up to, faith healers and so forth, and we follow them. And all of a sudden we find out that some horrible things have been happening in their past. And then we struggle with it because the motives aren't right. So, God, I need you to help me understand that you see not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but, Lord, you look at my heart. Check my motives. Check my heart. And that's a prayer, man. These are seven prayers that you can pray every day for yourself. I would encourage you, you know, take 15 minutes a day. minutes of prayer. And, and, and pray these things, pray them out loud, get real with God, because the Bible says he knows our heart anyway. Number five, pray for closeness and humility. Take some time, pray for yourself. James said this in chapter four, verse eight, come close to God and he will come close to you. That reciprocal relationship is powerful. Lord, how do I draw closer to you? I want to draw close to you. I want to be near you. I, I don't want to be separated from you. But God gives me the ability to draw close to him. God says, Al, if you take that initiative, if you, if you get into a place where you're hearing my voice, you're spending quality time with me. I'm going to do some crazy things in your life that you never imagined because I'm going to draw close to you. So pray for that closeness. That is one of those prayers that I've learned when I pray for myself, God always answers. I want to draw close to you, Lord. And God says, Al, you come near to me, I guarantee you, I will be closer to you than you've ever imagined. Because what am I doing? I'm strengthening my relationship with God. So that my prayers are so much more effective when I do pray for our president, when I do pray for our nation, when I do pray for blessings or healings or all of these other reactive prayers. But the vast majority of my prayer time should be spent proactively, not reactively. That's what Jesus did. The Bible says that he got up early in the morning to pray. He got away from his disciples. He got away from his mom. He got away from his friends. He got away from the crowd. He got away from all those people that adored him. And the Bible says he found a quiet, solitude place to pray and then the Bible says this, that Jesus prayed all night long. A new Christian in our church asked me a question. He said, Pastor, Jesus was the son of God. What did he have to pray for all night long? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't have an answer at that time. I was like, I don't know. But I want to go find out. And it put me on a journey. I didn't want it to be anecdotal. I didn't want to come up with, placate him with a typical Christianese answer. But literally, Lord, what did you pray with your father about all night long? 
He realized that he was in the spirit. He was in the flesh. But he wanted to do the will of the Father who sent him. That's where we are, guys. But we can't do that without closeness and humility. James later on said in two verses later, James 4.10, humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord. If you do that, he will exalt you. He will lift you up, and he will make your life significant. I just think that's awesomely cool. That if I humble myself before God, and sometimes we pray, Lord, humble me. That's not difficult. Every time we read about humility in the Bible, we must initiate that. The Bible says, humble yourself before God. God's not going to humble me. I have to make a conscious decision to do that. And when I do, I feel insignificant in the presence of God. And the Bible says that he will exalt you. He will lift you up. And he'll make your lives significant. I just think that's so ridiculously awesome. Imagine beginning to pray like that. That makes a prayer warrior, at least from my perspective. Not all of the other stuff, but learning to pray for ourselves. Number six, this is a big one for me. And that's to pray for a right attitude. Ephesians 4.23 says this. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. How does that happen? That happens because I am constantly renewed in the spirit of my mind. I can't live based on what happened yesterday. God, I wake up this morning with a new perspective with a new anticipation of what it is that you're going to do. You kept me here for another day for a reason. So I want to be constantly removed. What does that mean? That means I'm going to let go of some old stuff and embrace some new things. One of my favorite lines um, in the song, uh, Make New Wine Out of Me, um, um, one of the verses says, um, I lay down my old flame. Carry your new fire today. And that's what this prayer is about. Pray for a right attitude. And sometimes God is saying, Al, you need to lay down some old flames. You're carrying some stuff. Man, I'm way past that. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Can't you see it? I'm making a way in the desert, extremes and a wasteland. So God, I need a new attitude. I want to be renewed in the spirit of my mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Why? Because he can't put new wine into old wine skins. Renew me, Lord. Check my attitude. And sometimes our attitudes stinks. To be honest with you, I know mine does. It's just not right. Maybe I'm wounded. Maybe I'm carrying some unforgiveness. Maybe there's some things in my past that are just wearing me down. Why? Because I'm human and you're human and we all struggle in this area. So Lord, I need you to help me to get a right attitude. Constantly renew me. And I think I'm going to be blessed. Number seven, pray to be open-minded, both mentally and spiritually. I think one of the greatest things that has hurt the church during COVID is that we've been so close-minded and all kinds of ungodly prophecies 
We've been sucked into political perspectives. We've created issues and problems. I think we've lost a lot of our light and our ability to be salt. Because we haven't been open-minded mentally and spiritually. This is a huge one. While it's number seven, I think it's also probably the most important one. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 23, Paul said this, Do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial custom. Don't do that. We tend to follow man. What are the evangelicals saying? What are the, what's the church leaders saying? And we jump on that bandwagon. And God is saying to us, don't go there. Because when my mind is open and mentally and spiritually, I can hear his voice, not the voice of other people. Do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind. That's where it starts. One of my favorite books was written decades ago by Joyce Meyer, Battlefield of the Mind. That's where the enemy takes us. So when you pray for yourself, pray, Lord, transform me by renewing my mind. Help me to be open-minded. Transform me. Release me. Deliver me from the way that I typically think. One of the amazing things that God is doing so new right now is he's taking things that have been a barrier for us in the past. And he's using those things for a new breakthrough. Let him do it. It may have been a problem in the past. It may, be, it may have been a mountain that you couldn't get over. Think about the Israelites when, when uh, they left Egypt and Moses is leading them. Um, and now he's hemmed in between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. And then he parts the water, right, guys? That water, that, that barrier that was there moves up on every side and they cross over. And the Israelites were lived that and they talked about it all the time, years. And then in Isaiah, the Bible says, I'm doing a new thing. Because they were going through a desert. He says, I'm making a way in the desert. And in that desert, what did they need more than anything in the desert? In that wasteland. In the wilderness, they needed water. Water used to be an obstacle. And now God is taking what used to be an obstacle, and he's turning it into the source of the salvation where they're begging for it now. And he brought it out of a rock. So when we begin to pray like this, and we're open-minded, God can do some crazy, wonderful things through you and through his church. And then he says this, be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals, its attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is good and acceptable, perfect 
will of God. That's where we're moving. What am I talking about? Real, real simple. Don't pray so much proactively or reactively. Pray proactively. I'm teaching you how to pray for yourself. And when we begin to do that, guys, amazing, wonderful things happen. So, no, I don't want to go back to life as normal after COVID. I don't want that life anymore. I want a new life. I want a new prayer life. I want a new beginning. And God, give us a refrain. That's all I have for you today. Amen. Thank you, Al. Why don't you just um, pray over us? I think this is such a great practical teaching. Just, just pray over us as, as you conclude. Love to. Father, in the holy name of Jesus, we come to you with all of our preconceived ideas and misconceptions. We come to you, Lord, wounded and broken. We come to you, Lord, with a lot of issues and problems and challenges that we've experienced even in the church over the past year or so through COVID. We come to you, Lord, longing for the good old days. Will life return to normal after COVID? All of us are. Whether it's in our families or in schools or in our jobs or in our churches or in our pews, in our communities, in our uh, food pantries, Lord, what do we do now? We're not coming to you pretending like we have it all together because we don't. But your word says this, David said, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ever ask or imagine. That's who we're praying to now. That's you. The God who can do anything more, grace so much significantly more than anything any of us could ever ask or imagine. Help us understand who we're praying to. Help us embrace, Lord, that you truly are doing a new thing. We pray, Father, that you would draw us close to you. Your word says that no one comes unto the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So, Father, we're praying for that drawing. We're praying for that anointing. We're praying, Lord God, that your spirit would draw us close to you. And we would lay down anything and everything that's not like you. And embrace all that you have for us. Bring new wine out of us, Lord. The world is waiting. And we don't want to be old wineskins. Whatever it takes... Whenever, however, and wherever you want to move, we ask that you move in our lives, Lord, as we surrender to you. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen.